Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? In yesterday's video, I went through some must draft running backs. So those were players that I really liked at their current ADP and was targeting. But today it's time to talk about the running backs that I think you guys should be avoiding this year. So I think their ADP is too high. And I think the players I'm going to talk about are going to end up disappointing this season. So I'm going to go through five running backs that I think fit under this do not draft category. And all five of these guys are actually fairly young, so stay tuned to find out who I'm talking about. But before I get into it, I just want to say that if you watch the video and enjoy the content, please just leave a like and subscribe to the channel. That really helps support me a lot. And also let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. I'll respond to everyone who comments, but let's get right into it. Starting off with sophomore running back J.K. Dobbins. He's currently being drafted as the RB15 off the board. That is a mid to late third round pick, and he's just not a player that I want to rely upon on a week-to-week basis. He only scores his points really through two categories, and that is through efficiency on the ground and it's touchdown upside. The man is going to have very low receiving upside, and I don't think he's going to receive a lot of volume. You know, I see a lot of people kind of projecting him to be getting 16, 17 carries a game. I really just do not see that in his future. This Rams offense is not one that likes to use a true workhorse running back. You're obviously going to have Lamar Jackson in that backfield, probably rushing around 10 times a game. And then they do like to split those carries, you know, between two or three running backs. So I do think he's going to lead that RB room in carries. He's going to have Gus Edwards right behind him. But I think he's probably going to be more in that like 13 to 14 carries per game range. And that can support him, you know, as an RB2, but I don't think he should be drafted as a high-end RB2. You know, in this smaller sample size that we saw last year, once he really took over the starting role in that RB room, you know, he was very effective at getting in the end zone. He was doing it consistently. You know, almost every single week he started, he scored a touchdown but it's just not something I'm really sold on. I'm not trying to rely on him getting into the end zone for him to be a successful start. Because if you look at these stat lines he's going to have, you know, he's going to go out, get 14 carries a game, probably rush for like 80 yards, maybe one reception, you know, for 10 yards. And then that entire week is just based on whether or not he got in the end zone. And when there is just competition with Lamar and Gus Edwards, I just don't want to rely on that on a week to week basis. And I would much rather chase a running back that I think is going to have a lot of volume over J.K. Dobbins, who's going to have to rely on efficiency and basically just be very touchdown dependent. The next running back that I'm not going to be drafting at his current ADP is Travis Etienne, and he is the first of four rookie running backs that I have on this list. So the remaining three guys are all going to be rookies. Right now, he is a mid-fifth round draft pick. When I did my video talking about biggest bust in each round, Travis Etienne was my fifth round bust. And this is an RB21 ADP. He's going in this range of workhorse running backs. You know, he's going a little bit after Miles Sanders, who has the potential to be a workhorse. He's going before Mike Davis, who I think is the full-on workhorse for the Falcons. But the issue is he just does not have that role in this Jaguars offense. I expect this Jaguars backfield 
to be a heavy split. Travis Etienne is going to have that receiving role. You know, I think he kind of has that on lock, but James Robinson is a very capable running back. I think he's going to have a decent percentage of the carries. And I also think he's going to get that red zone work. You know, Travis Etienne is not a huge running back. He's not your prototypical red zone guy. And James Robinson has already shown he can be effective in that role last season. And I'm not saying I would never draft, you know, this type of running back in the fifth round. I do think there are certain scenarios, you know, where you could pull the trigger on this kind of role. But the issue is it has to be on a high scoring offense because even though he may not be the red zone back, he would still have more receiving upside, you know, in terms of getting in the end zone. But I'm just not seeing it with this Jaguars offense. You know, they definitely have some new improved weapons, but I still expect it to be a bottom half offense. They're just very young and new. We don't know how this whole thing is going to come together. So I don't think he's going to have a ton of touchdown upside. And I think he's just going to have to rely on that receiving work. And that's not something I want to be banking on with a fifth round draft pick, especially when I could be getting a workhorse running back or a solid, you know, wide receiver two or wide receiver three option for my team. So I'm going to continue to be fading this current draft price for ETN. The second rookie that I'm not going to be drafting at his current price is Javante Williams. He also made my biggest bust in each round video, but this was a sixth round ADP. And he's another rookie that I think is being overdrafted. He's being picked as the RB24, so a low-end running back two. And that is also ahead of Mike Davis, who, like I mentioned with Travis Etienne, I think is a locked-in you know, workhorse running back. And I'm just not seeing the value here with Javante Williams. This Broncos run game, you know, was decently effective last season, but the issue is that there was just no receiving upside. They just did not get a lot of work. Drew Locke was not throwing to the running backs. We saw Melvin Gordon basically operate as the workhorse of this backfield. You know, Philip Lindsay was a fairly solid backup, was getting probably a little bit more touches than your typical backup running back would see, but Melvin Gordon still had a hold on this RB1 spot, and he finished as the RB24 in points per game. That is exactly where Javante Williams is being drafted right now, and I don't really see Javante Williams outperforming Melvin Gordon's 2020 season because you're basically drafting him at his ceiling right now, and that's assuming he takes over the workhorse role, and that is not even close to a guarantee, right? So Melvin Gordon was the workhorse with that RB24 finish. That is where Javante Williams is being picked. But the issue is, I don't think he's going to be the workhorse. I'm expecting a very heavy split between Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Melvin Gordon is not gone. He is still in that backfield. He's operating as the RB1 in training camp, and he is listed as the RB1 on their depth chart. So I'm not really sure where this idea that Javante Williams is going to step in and be the starter came from. I just don't think it's true. And he's being drafted like four, five rounds ahead of Melvin Gordon, which I think is crazy. I think the most reasonable outcome is that both of these guys are in a pretty heavy split. I think it's going to be a committee in Denver. And I don't really think that gives either player much value because we did see Gordon get the workhorse role and he could barely even crack into the RB2 range. So now you're telling me those carries are going to be split. There's not going to be a lot of receiving upside. It just makes me way out on Javante Williams. You know, I may take a flyer on Melvin Gordon just because he's being drafted so much later than Javante Williams, but I could 100% see a path where Javante Williams just has no fantasy value. You don't see him as a guy you want to start on a week-to-week basis. 
and I think he could easily be one of the biggest busts at his current ADP. Now we're on to Trey Sermon, who I will likely not have many shares of this season. There are some pretty clear pros and cons for Trey Sermon. I'm going to start off with the positives, and those are that Sermon does have a shot to be the number one running back in this backfield. You know, they don't have an established workhorse. So hypothetically, Sermon could come in and secure that role. And then the other positive is that overall, this 49ers backfield is just very valuable. They're very efficient. They can get a lot of yards on the ground. And this offensive line is very solid. So if one running back can, you know, take over as the RB1, they have a legit shot to finish as a top 10 fantasy football RB. But in my opinion, Trey Sermon's con outweigh the pros that I mentioned. And he's not only being drafted like a few picks behind Raheem Mostert, it's like a full round and a half, which I think is just not fair. And I don't think that lines up with what we've seen so far in training camp. There is no guarantee that Sermon is going to establish himself as a super fantasy relevant running back. The more I look at this 49ers backfield, the more I'm expecting it to just become a full running back committee. You just have a lot of RBs that have shown some effectiveness in the NFL. So you have Raheem Mostert, obviously Trey Sermon, you have Gallman, Hasty, Mitchell, and then you also have Wilson who's out with a torn meniscus right now. Obviously, all of those guys are not going to make the final roster, but we have seen the Niners rely on multiple running backs last season, two years ago. It's something they like to do. And the issue is you never really know which guy is going to be getting the workload that week. The Niners can find success in the run game seemingly with anyone playing the RB position. So it's not really a slot where I really want to rely on starting, you know, one running back. I think there are much more appealing running backs on the board who have better chances at leading their backfields. You know, it may not be locked in that they're the RB1, but I'd much rather go with a guy like Miles Gaskin or Chase Edmonds who I think have better shots at taking over and being workhorses who are also going at a similar ADP close to Trey Sermon. All right, so the last guy on this list and the fourth and final rookie I'm gonna talk about is Michael Carter. Right now, he is going as an eighth round pick, the RB30 overall. And I think this is a similar situation to Trey Sermon. He's in a committee, but the difference is it's a much worse offense. I think this ADP is reflecting that he has a much better shot at breaking out of this backfield than I personally think he really does. I think this offense is going to be a full-on committee. Head coach Robert Sala has talked about using all the backs on this roster. You know, he mentioned that if you have a workhorse, a guy like Derrick Henry, then it can be appealing to kind of ride them. But if you don't have that guy, then he talked about how it's more effective to use a variety of different guys at the position. And then he went on to describe, you know, what each running back on this roster really specialized in. So that tells me that Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, and Michael Pirine should all have opportunities to get touches. I'm just not seeing a lot of upside with this pick. I think a lot of things, you know, have to play out perfectly for Michael Carter to truly establish himself as the workhorse of this offense. And the issue is that I don't really expect this Jets offense to be very good. I don't think the run game is going to be very good. And so even if, you know, everything plays out perfectly, he takes over the workhorse role. I still don't think it's a very profitable position to have. You know, if that happens, he probably would outperform this RB30 ADP, but everything just needs to come together. And that's not something that I'm going to be betting on. So I would much rather target other running backs like Damian Harris and Raheem Mostert, who, you know, may also be in running back committees. But I think right now, Raheem Mostert, the RB1 for the Niners, 
Damian Harris should be the RB1 for the Patriots. So I'd much rather bet on these players who I think are going to be in better offenses than kind of throw a dart on Michael Carter, who's going to be in a bad rushing offense with a ton of other guys in that RB room. And then there are also just some other solid options at wide receiver that I would much rather have instead of Michael Carter. So that's why I'm going to be avoiding him here in the eighth round. So that is going to wrap it up for my do not draft running back list. A lot of these young running backs, I think people are getting a little bit too hyped on these guys and kind of drafting them closer to their ceiling. You know, they're thinking, what if this guy takes over the starting role? but they're forgetting that it's not a guarantee that that's going to happen. It's very likely that a lot of these guys get pushed into committees and just do not live up to their current ADP. So that's why I'm avoiding those players. If you guys enjoyed this video, please leave a like and subscribe to the channel. And also let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. Are you guys also fading the players I talked about or are you drafting them? Let me know your reasoning down below. I'll respond to everyone who comments. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Over the next like week or two, I'm gonna be doing the same kind of setup of must draft and then do not draft at the wide receiver, tight end, and quarterback position. So make sure you guys look out for that. But that's all I have today. Thank you and I'll see you guys tomorrow.